What is up, Only Playbook fans? We are back. I am Sweetheart. I got Shovit with me. It's been a long hiatus. If you haven't been following up with our social media, we've been pretty active on TikTok, posting videos for the draft, draft prospects, etc. So the podcast and YouTube pages have been lacking a little bit, but it's just the off-season content, you know, breaking down draft prospects. It's harder to do in like really, really long YouTube videos. And we found a niche with TikTok. So if you don't already follow us on TikTok, follow us on TikTok at the only playbook, breaking down players, doing a lot of top 10, top five lists. And as fantasy football starts to slowly creep up, we're going to be much more active there doing a lot of good stuff. So make sure you give us a follow there and everywhere. We are going to do our one and only official 1.0 mock draft. The way we're going to do this is I did a mock draft last night on my own. Shove it. You did a mock draft last night on your own. And now we're going to have every pick you're going to tell me your pick i'm going to tell you my pick and then on this live episode we're going to do a draft where Shoda and i have to come to a consensus on every pick so we're going to try our best to zoom through these make sure you know the obvious ones are obvious the hard ones why we're making these picks but hopefully this can be fun exercise and knowing that the draft is only two days away show it i mean um it's i feel like you know we kind of say this every year but this year truly i am very very appalled that beyond the number one overall pick, I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, I think, weird things that are going to happen during the draft. Trades, trade up, trade down. Um, guys that you think are going to be drafted that don't get drafted as high. Uh, just, I mean, just the spread itself. You know, it's it's just wild to think about with the whole quarterback situation, where Anthony Richardson's going to go, where Will Levis is going to go. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun draft with a lot of shenanigans happening, I think. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, in you know, it, it's hard when you're doing the mock drafts yourself. Like, I, I spent way more time on this than I should have, and I didn't realize how hard or how much longer it was going to take than it did. Um, you know, like, I went through a mock draft, and I texted you. I was like, dude, I'm at the 28th pick, and I forgot to throw Tyree Wilson in the first round. And I'm like, how is this happening? And and then I did that again, and there was a situation where I was on, like, the 18th pick, and, like, uh, um, I think it was CJ Stroud or Will Levis hadn't gotten picked yet. And I'm like, there's no way this is happening. And so I kept having to go back and like restart and like just really, really sit here and think about it. And I think that's what leads me to believe that there's so much up in the air. Like I, there's, we'll, we'll go through these and each team will go. And I think there's like five to seven players that every team could possibly take. There's probably a better chance of getting March Madness right than this right. Like Absolutely. with the trade and, and the picks and how the uh, teams are going to react with different players getting picked earlier before them. I mean, there's so many ways it's going to go. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, they the, what, what do they give out? A million dollars if you get a perfect bracket? I mean, they should be giving out a billion dollars if you get the perfect first round because I think I was, I was, I was reading something where they had a, uh, a website that generated all of the prime mocker people, uh, Kuypers, you know, Daniel Jeremiah's Todd McShay's and how accurate they were. And I think like the most accurate of the last 20 years was, I believe like 11 picks right in the first round. And I mean, that's one third of the draft only. So that tells you how hard it is to, to determine who's going to get picked where, because all this can be smoke show it. We're like, number one, all right, let's kick this off. Bryce Young, minus 2,000 favorite to go number one. I mean, Vegas knows, right? Obviously. So Bryce Young has to be number one. I mean, what are we going to do on Thursday if somehow Bryce Young is not the number one pick? I mean, then the draft is completely upside down. <laughs> so, yeah, so Everything goes out the drain after uh, Bryce Young does not get picked, which I, I mean, I, I find it very, very hard to believe that Bryce Young will not be a Carolina Panther after Thursday. But yeah, we'll betting see. betting odds, right? Those are the 
biggest things I look at, and it's not like he's just a little bit of a favorite. I mean, I think most recently he's minus 2000 to go number one. So uh, usually Vegas is not that drastically wrong. We were watching the draft last year and we looked at the odds and we saw how much Trayvon Walker jumped, I think the day of the draft and he ended up going number one and there was no smoke about him going number one the day before that. So I think this uh, Bryce Young hype is real. I think he's going to go number one. I think he's the best quarterback on the board. Um, I think, again, the only flaw that everybody talks about is his size. If you can look past his size, there's very few weaknesses, in my opinion, to his game. Is there anything that you saw in Bryce Young that would not lead you to believe that he should be the top player? No, I mean, outside of his size, I guess that would be the only thing. But like his playmaking uh, abilities, the fact that he holds on to the ball, has his eyes on the like, you know, downfield, be, being able to make those passes, even when the the defensive line is coming at him. I think that th those are going to translate into the NFL, into the next level. So for me, looking at the competition and, you know, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, I think that, uh, you know, Bryce Young just shines, um, you know, he's just he's just on another level compared to those guys, in my opinion, as of right now in the tapes that I've seen. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think, again, that's why the odds are so heavily favored for him right. to go number one. Right. So we can kick it off. I mean, number one is pretty obvious, in my opinion. Bryce yeah. Young will go to Carolina, become a Panther. They get their franchise quarterback. Exciting to think about a franchise that has had two franchise quarterbacks, you know, in recent memory, right? I mean, they drafted Cam Newton. He ended up taking him to the Super Bowl. He won MVP. You had, you know, a, a player that an entire franchise could get behind. And now you're going to have another guy. So we talk about this all the time as a Vikings fan. I'm just waiting for this opportunity and Carolina is going to seemingly have this twice in the last, you know what, 12 years. So pretty exciting if you're a Panthers fan. Number two on the board, shove it. I, I toyed with this a lot. I just think, you know, all the smoke, Levis going, Richardson going, why is Stroud falling? Is 18% score on the S2 cognitive test, you know, all this crap. And, you know, at some point I just put all that aside. And I was like, I'm watching this guy's tape and he's just so damn good. So I don't understand a Texans team that desperately needs a franchise quarterback passing up a quarterback at the number two spot. Yes, they could wait at 12 and hope that one of these guys is still there. But I mean, then you're really playing a risky game. There's a chance that other teams can trade up and you don't have the player there. And then you're, you're, you know, you're heading into the season with Davis Mills as your quarterback again. So I think there is way too much for me personally, as just a, you know, average to above average NFL fan and enjoyer that loves CJ Stroud's tape that I think people that are grinding tape on this guy even harder than I am. I don't understand what's not to like. So I had to have him go number two to the Texans. Yeah. I see. Here's the thing. I also have CJ Stroud number two, but I am concerned about the S2 test, not because I think that that is a determination of how he's going to succeed, succeed. But um, if you look at Brock Purdy and his S2 score, it was really good. Like, you know, they, they said that that was one of the better ones. And so D'Amico Ryan's coming from that system and seeing the S2 uh, scores. I wonder if that carries any weight to making that decision to go That's with a good point. Different yeah. And Will Levis is that guy. Anthony Richardson is still not polished in that sense uh, uh, from, you know, be, he's got that he's he's got crazy athleticism. But as a quarterback, can he do that? So Will Levis is that next guy. And I think at this point, Will Levis is um, favored by um, the betting odds. He's got he, he's like minus money at this point in terms of uh, the second overall pick. But I I still think it should be C.J. Stroud. And I'm I, and I um, yeah I'm I'm gonna say C.J. Stroud here, even though uh, all all the odds are kind of against us right now. 
Yeah. So you and your mock draft had Stroud going to, I and my mock draft have Stroud going to, I agree the smoke and the, the money, the odds are shifting towards Levis at two or first defensive player off the board. And it's not even Jalen Carter. It's not Will Anderson. It's Tyree yeah. Wilson. He's making that a uh, Trayvon Walker type jump pre-draft, right? So you could, you could definitely give them Tyree Wilson, but the reason I find that such like it seems like a flawed tactic is you're a Texans team that basically could use anything. You can use any position to start to build, right? Why are you going to try to draft a player based on potential upside when, you know, he could never reach that upside. There could be a chance that, you know, we looked at Trayvon Walker last year and in, in his rookie year, Aiden Hutchinson had a way better season, right? But the jury is still out. Walker could end up having a better career. He could end up blowing up and exploding the way people thought he would. Now, same situation here. Again, you're a Texans team that's just looking for blue chip prospects to build a franchise around. I don't think you're going to risk a player that has, you know, uh, 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 I guess a range of outcomes as wide as potentially Tyree Wilson does. So that's why I don't like Tyree Wilson there. That's why I don't love Will Levis there. That's why I think if you're going to take somebody, you're going to take Stroud. If you don't take Stroud, I think they're probably going to have to take like the most safest pick on the board. And that's probably Will Anderson from Alabama. So personally, you have Stroud. I have Stroud. If we're doing this consensus draft board, does it make sense for them to pass up on a quarterback knowing they need one and hoping that either one falls at 12 or hoping they're bad enough that they they're in play for, you know, Caleb Williams or Drake may next year, but is D'Amico Ryan's going to let them tank like that? I don't, I don't think so. And then the other thing about this whole betting thing is that uh, it, it all just kind of started with some redditor redditor saying that uh, he will Levis told his family that he was getting drafted number two overall. He said, she said kind of deal, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that, actually, if there's any, uh, wait to hold on that. So I'm going to say that, you know, Houston Texans need to turn this franchise around. What better than a quarterback like CJ Stroud? Um, you know, we've seen the tapes. We've seen what he can do with uh, against Georgia. I think this guy is uh, a talent that needs to get drafted at number two. I agree. Let's do it. Let's take Stroud to Houston. They have their quarterback of the future um, officially going to build around CJ Stroud. That puts Arizona on the board at number three. Now, quick thing to note. Uh, we could go back to Houston and that could have potentially been a trade down spot for the sake of this draft and how long this episode could go. We're just not going to do live dra- uh, trades. It's going to be very difficult to do, but we can touch on all of the spots that could be potential trade down spots. And number two is the first spot. So let's just put that out there. Houston could, if they don't love the quarterback position, which is what we're hearing, if they don't love Stroud, they could trade down. So that is a trade down spot. But we talk about Arizona here, Shovit. They don't need a quarterback, apparently. Kyler Murray's the guy. He's under contract. So you kind of are stuck with him. Now, I even so far as got to the idea, what if they flip everything upside down and draft day, they trade Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is in a situation where, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's gone. Like the system, the infrastructure that was built around Kyler Murray to be the one is no longer there. And now there's this rhetoric around him that, you know, does he not study enough? Does he not work hard? Where's his work ethic? So Arizona could be in a situation where they're like, Kyler Murray still holds weight in terms of assets that you can get back in a trade, but they don't love what they've seen the first, what, two, three years of him. So if they unload him, you're going to get capital back. You're going to get you know, the potential to draft a quarterback right here. So this is not, to me, as crazy as people might think it could be. So again, stick with me here. I think they have Kyler Murray. Let's think they're going to build around him. So they're probably going to go best player on the board or defense on this in this spot. But it does not shock me with all of the negativity kind of last year that was surrounding that aura around Kyler Murray. Why, why, if they saw the opportunity, why not trade that guy 
as a franchise quarterback to some other team. And now you just put yourself in a spot to rebuild, which is kind of what you're doing anyways, outside of Kyler Murray. And not only that, they arguably have the worst roster in the NFL. <laughs> exactly. Right. Now, yes. right. So they're trying to get capital. They're trying, they're on full rebuild mode. And if that means getting rid of Kyler Murray just to get draft picks, I mean, I, I could, why not? Right. Like trade him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are looking for a quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. There's some teams, certainly a quarterback, uh, they're looking for a quarterback. And Kyler Murray, uh, you know, he's got the skills and uh, I, I could see them restarting. Uh, and and yeah, that that would be a wise thing to do. I think the Cardinals, if not Kyler Murray, I think that there's certainly an a opportunity for other teams that want that third pick mm-hmm. to put an out to care to to uh, the Cardinals and get that third pick. I I think that they just need to get draft capital at this point, uh, just where they are in terms of talent. Yeah, like just build, right? Like similar to Houston, you just need players. You need good players on the football field. So if you're not enamored with the idea of taking Jalen Carter, who has off-field issues, if you're not enamored with the idea of taking Will Anderson, who is a safe player, but may not have that upside that you're, you know, wanting at number three overall like this is a such a coveted position in the draft that yeah i think the most ideal situation for them is they trade down and they still end up building the defense the way they want to so um i think for the sake of this again we're not going to do trades but like we said it's a good trade down spot who do you like here for arizona in a situation where anybody's going to help them yeah so when i'm looking at this i'm looking at the best uh, player that is available if they don't trade. And for me, the the guy here is Jalen Carter. I know he's got the misdemeanor issues and, and uh, there's Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson right below him. But I think that the best defensive lineman guy that they, that Arizona Cardinals could have to have an impact day one is going to be Jalen Carter. So I went with Jalen Carter as a number three, number three pick here. Okay. So <clears throat> I like that. I think again, to me, off-field issues aside, he's probably the most talented player on the board, right? So he could go number one overall, but it's a defensive interior position that's not as coveted as an edge, as a quarterback, obviously. But there's a reason he's ranked second as an interior threat because of how good he is. Now, my fear, Arizona, again, we just talked about Kyler Murray. He deals with all of this off-field crap. Like, do they really want to bring another guy in at the third overall spot, a place where you basically cannot miss on a prospect, bring another guy in that has more off-field issues. Their coaching situation is, I mean, you know, again, they have what, what who did they get? Jonathan Gannon, I believe. Um, so they have, they there's uncertainty as to what type of leadership that building is going to have now with Cliff gone. And I don't trust Kyler, which you would want the quarterback to be the leader of your football team, but Kyler doesn't give that off about him. So I don't personally want another bad apple in that locker room like Jalen Carter, which again, this could all be smoke comes into the NFL and has as clean a sheet as you could possibly have. But that's why to me, because Arizona right now, trading aside, can't miss, like they can't afford to miss. That's why I went safe and I went with Willie Anderson. So I think you went with the best player on the board, which I agree with you completely. It's Jalen Carter. I went with, they just can't afford to miss and they can't afford more off-field crap. So let's get somebody who is going to for sure be good, good enough. And that's Will Anderson. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm curious, where did you go with Jalen Carter? Um, But I guess we'll find out, right? Yeah. So he's, he he didn't go very far. So uh, number four is in Indianapolis. Uh, Talk to me about who you had for Indianapolis. Yeah, so for me, Indianapolis was, I think that they really wanted C.J. Stroud. And I think that they, um, you know, that that was what they, uh, what their goal was going into this draft. But because the Houston Texans in my mock draft uh, drafted C.J. Stroud, I went with a defensive position here. And so 
Uh, Jalen Carter was the guy who I had the Cardinals picking up. And so I think that the, the best defensive position that was available for the Colts at this time uh, would be Will Anderson. Uh, but in this case, since Will Anderson is not there, I think Jalen Carter is a guy that they will um, probably go with if he's available, uh, if he doesn't get picked up by the Cardinals. Yep. So again, similar situation here. This is just going to be about the Jalen Carter slide because we're just waiting on a situation where you trust the team, you trust the coach, you trust the infrastructure. They've had history of success with bringing in guys that have similar situations. And so, you know, it's a risk. It's an absolute risk. And again, I'm, I'm looking at a franchise that I don't personally buy into wanting to take that risk on a defensive player that could you know, end up not panning out, especially, especially when this is a team that has a really, really nice young running back in Jonathan Taylor. They have a really, really nice young running back in or a receiver in Michael Pittman Jr. All they're really needing is that quarterback, right? So this is another team that's quarterback hungry. I think again, in a situation where unless they're, you know, unless, unless they're going to roll out Matt, Matt Ryan again, which did he get cut? Like, is he even on the yeah. team anymore? He got cut, right? Yeah. yeah. So like they need a quarterback. So I, they can't leave this draft personally, in my opinion, without a quarterback either, unless they have some sort of trade worked out for a quarterback who's going to come in and start for them. So I gave them Will Levis. Now I personally would have given them Anthony Richardson, but the smoke and everything that I'm hearing, all of the mockosphere and everything that's talking about why Will Levis is climbing. I buy it. I think he, he is again, we're going to look at like the Darnolds. We're going to look at the Blake Bortles. We're going to look at the Blaine Gabberts. All of these guys that came into the NFL as prototypical NFL players, right? Like prototypical quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the arm. Like it's just, he's got to put all this together. That's what Will Levis reminds me of. Um, I think, like you said, the ideal scenario for the Colts trade up to two to get Stroud or somehow Houston doesn't take Stroud and Stroud falls in their lap. That's best case scenario. But because that doesn't happen here, I give them Will Levis. I think they're going to be, Chris Ballard is going to be more inclined to me to get Will Levis than he is going to be to get a project like Anthony Richardson. So I gave them Will Levis in my mock draft. He is still on the board here. They do need a quarterback. Do you think a team that needs a quarterback, they're going to go with the Jalen Carter here, best player on the board, or do you think they're going to take that swing at quarterback? I'll let you make the decision. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just don't have faith in Will Levis like that as I did with CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. Uh, I think that this guy, Will Levis really, is a um like a late first round type of pick personally but i i will say that because of the betting odds and how things are kind of give that momentum will with with will levis uh and the fact that colts do need a quarterback uh i'm gonna go with will levis here as well yeah let's go with that. I, lo- I like it and and here's the other thing show like another thing that just doing this more i've figured out is what I was trying to do, I was trying to do this two different ways, right? I, I created a first round mock. And then I also created like my top 30 best players. And what I realized was my top 30 and my first round was completely different. Like my top 30 players weren't all going into the first round. And then you saw players getting drafted in the first round that weren't in my top 30. So a lot of what ends up happening, like you remember the call strange shit last year, like there are teams that will draft based on need. There are teams that will draft based on the way their board is sitting versus the way somebody else's board is sitting. Right. And there are teams that will draft on the fly. Like, Hey, we didn't think Richardson was going to go drop past five. Now we need to draft on the fly, make a trade up, figure out a situation that we can get this guy. So there's so many scenarios that this could play out. Uh, you look at Seattle at number five, and this is it for me, Pete Carroll, like if there's going to be a guy that's going to be able to do it, the first guy on this list, because I think man Campbell can also do it, but the first guy that the test 
is can he do it? It's Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete Carroll's done it. Michael Bennett was another defensive lineman that had off the field issues and he ended up being a great player. Uh, Brandon Brown or the cornerback safety that had uh, off the field issues. So they, Pete Carroll himself has a history of bringing in guys that have this and being able to figure it out. Again, he's the best player on the board. He is a position of need for them too on the interior. So I think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense for Seattle here. And sorry, and they have another first round pick, right? So it's almost like one of these picks are kind of playing with house money. So you can afford to take a risk on what could be the best player in the draft. Yeah. So in in a situation where I had a mock draft where Will Levis was drafted by the Colts, I think that 100% Jalen Carter is the guy I'm going with. I mean, the, the like I said, the best defensive ta- uh, talent uh, on this uh, prospect list uh, that, that can be drafted. But I had Tyree Wilson just for the fact that they need an edge rusher, mm-hmm. uh, but he's just – he he um, he. but the fact that Jalen Carter had already been picked up by, by the Cardinals. So uh, I think you're right. I think that they – that, you know, um, if there's a team that can make Jalen Carter kind of come into, I don't know, get into the mindset of a professional and stop with the misdemeanors and all this nonsense off-field stuff, um, it's Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. So, yeah, I, I like that pick, too. Uh, Seahawks, Jalen Carter first to the Seahawks. It makes sense to me as well. Perfect. Let's lock it in, man. Let's lock it in. Number six, Detroit and Man Campbell are on the board. Man Campbell needs some help. I had Man Campbell taking Devin Witherspoon. He's my number one cornerback on the board. He's very interchangeable with people who like Christian Gonzalez. So I have no uh, qualms with anybody who prefers one over the other. I just think they both play really, really good types of cornerback. And I think either, either guy is going to be lucky uh, to fall into either of these situations. Cause you're looking at, I think two teams back to back that are going to need cornerbacks. So personally, the way my board shakes up is I have Witherspoon to the Lions at six and I have Gonzalez to the Raiders at seven. Yeah. I have Witherspoon to the Lions as well. They uh, went out and got CJ uh, uh, Gardner Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley, but they're all signed in the one year contract. Uh, they traded Jeff Akuda. So uh, they certainly need a, um, you know, a cornerback. Uh, that's his caliber as Devon Witherspoon. I don't think he's the best cornerback in this draft, by the way. I I, I do uh, I do think it's Gonzalez being it, but they they play two different positions, right? Uh, Gonzalez is on the outside, and uh, Witherspoon's on the inside. Uh, he's more of a slot type of cornerback, and this guy can freaking hit, dude. If you watch that Indiana Illinois uh, game, um, uh, that first play of the game where he just freaking wrecks uh, the guy, I mean, like. He he is um, he's a big hitter and he can be a day one impact player on the team. So I think Devin Witherspoon is going to be a perfect fit for the Detroit Lions. Boom! I love it. Let's do it. Cornerback Devin Weatherspoon goes there. I think I'm going to keep this one short and sweet. Oakland or Vegas, same situation. Yeah. They need defensive back. Um, they could go quarterback here, but they brought in Jimmy G. So he's kind of that middle. You know, he's like the guy where. He can get the job done, but you're always still going to continue to look for the next guy. Unfortunately, at seven, the way the board is shaken out, I don't love Richardson as a prospect at seven for the situation um, here for the Raiders. So I think they're going to go back to the well with cornerback, and I think they take Christian Gonzalez um, out of Oregon. Moves like a gazelle. I think you're going to see that everywhere you watch, whatever you know, whatever person you listen to talk, the way Christian Gonzalez moves is that of a gazelle. It's just so silky smooth. Um, he's fast. He's long. He's got great arms. It's everything you look for in a defensive back. So I love him at number seven. Yeah, no, uh, great, great guy. The only downside is I think his tackling abilities aren't as good as Witherspoon's are, um, but he's an outside cornerback, and you know that um, that will probably uh, get better as his career progresses. 
Yep, absolutely. That takes us to Atlanta at number eight. Also a team that per this draft board, per PFF's uh, simulator, it says they need a quarterback. They did take Ritter last year. I think they're still, you know, wanting to see if Ritter's the guy. I mean, you took him, what, in the second round? So it's hard to probably come off of him after one year. Uh, but what what do you see here for Atlanta, Chauvet? Um, Where do you see them going? Yeah, so first thing, Atlanta, I, I think they could definitely trade down in, mm-hmm. in, in this position. But for the sake of our mock draft, I have Miles Murphy from Clemson as the edge. Uh, I think that he's got the size. He's got the athleticism, athleticism as an edge rusher. Uh, he's got the ability to win off the speed. He's a guy, you know, outside of some of the other edge guys, Tyree Wilson uh, and Anderson that we talked about, this guy uh, is the next best edge rusher. So I think that the Falcons, they haven't had a 40-sack season um, since 2017, and I think that they definitely want to revamp that defensive line and what better than Miles Murphy. And I think this that's who they're going to go with if they if they do pick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had a similar position for them. I had edge, I had Tyree Wilson falling to them at eight here. Um, so it's really just ultimately about where you value Tyree Wilson. Cause he's climbing the boards, but I do like miles Murphy. Uh, I think he, he, he had, you know, great tape at Clemson. I think he still has so much untapped potential there. That's why I think his he's ranked a little bit behind some of these other edge rushers, but um, I still think he can be just as effective. Now, do we want to go miles Murphy here? Do you want to stop the Tyree Wilson slide or do we want to keep that going and see how far that can go? Yeah, let's keep it going. Let's see what happens. Right. Let's do it. All right, Miles Murphy to the Falcons at eight. They get their edge rusher. Uh, the Bears here, I'm going to make this really simple. They need a tackle. Paris Johnson came from Ohio State, played with Justin Fields. He's big. He's everything that they want. I think this just makes way too much sense. He's the second oh, yeah. best tackle on the board, but um, I think either way, it just makes a lot of sense for them. Offensive line help, already played with Fields. Get him his man. Yeah, run block with power and ability to move with his legs. Yeah, this is the guy that they're probably going to go with. Perfect. That puts his Eagles at 10 here, man. I struggled with this big time. Where did you go? All right, so I went with the edge. I went with Nolan Smith. But looking at how our draft is shaking up, I think this is where Tyree Wilson will probably get drafted. Uh, I would is where I would say. Um, uh, but I said Nolan Smith because looking at the reports, that's a guy that <laughs> – uh, Eagles really liked, and that's who they thought would be available to them. Uh, who I think they think is going to be available um, at that tenth pick. So I'm going with Nolan Smith, but certainly Tyree Wilson, uh, best available. I think he he's a he's a guy that we could pick as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think. The Eagles, Howie Roseman's drafted very similarly. He takes premium positions early, right? Bijan could go here. Bijan makes so much sense with the Eagles. Imagine that running game with Jalen Hurts and Bijan. But again, Bijan at 10. While I personally, personally, in this draft, I don't hate taking Bijan early because I just think the talent pool is not as pristine as it could be. But because I think like the philosophical aspect of how the Eagles draft, I don't think how he's going to take a running back at 10. They could trade down as well here because there's not a ton of positional needs and value here, but because they love those edge rushers, they love the line. They love those big guys, both offensively and defensively. And you know what Brandon Graham, those guys aren't getting any younger. So they're going to have to eventually uh, circuit circle uh, back to getting guys who are younger there. And Tyree Wilson fits that. So I like it. I'm going to take him at 10. Hassan Riddick, Joshua, and then now this guy, I mean, yeah. that's going to be scary he, again. He's long. He's fast. He's basically like everything Trayvon Walker was last year, but he could be even more physically superior. So a uh, little bit scary for them to, you know, land in their laps at 10, but that puts us at 11 here with the Tennessee Titans. Um, my draft board shook out similarly here in that there was a quarterback available for them at 11. Makes too much sense. Give it to me. Give me Anthony Richardson for the Titans at 11. What did you see? Why would you think any differently? 
I, I, so I, again, this is our draft boards are shaken up really differently already from the start, but I went with Will Levis because I just didn't think that he would be drafted uh, top 10. So, um, but yeah, Anthony Richardson is the next quarterback that is available and the Tennessee Titans definitely need to kind of sunset Tannehill and move on to find the next phase. And I don't think that Malik Willis is the answer. So Anthony Richardson uh, makes the most sense here. Man, and just imagine if Derrick Henry continues to be the unicorn and, you know, he's he's getting older, right? For a running back, he's getting up there in age, but if he continues to be that unicorn that gets to play um, into his late 20s, um, just imagine a running offense with Richardson and Henry. Like, that is just terrifying. You could run college offenses in the NFL and be successful. Like, And that's one thing that I'll say real quick, Shobit, is I think people are reading into this Anthony Richardson accuracy issues as like, he's not even going to cut it as anything effective in the NFL, right? And and I think if you look back at just last year, let's take a guy like Justin Fields. Justin Fields had, he had accuracy issues. He had passing issues. Granted, his team was absolutely garbage. So he had nobody to throw the football to and nobody was blocking for him. But the minute they were able to unlock his ability to, to run the football, all of a sudden it made, like they were able to function as an offense, right? So I think the NFL has evolved that now you're getting a Anthony Richardson who is bigger than fields. He is faster than fields. He's as big as Cam Newton and as fast as Michael Vick, right? So just imagine just rushing alone, there should be some floor there to be successful in the NFL. So I think that's why I'm more enamored with Richardson is he's got a floor. Like his floor is he's an athletic freak that you could just literally hand the football off to and he could run it up the middle. Like he can do everything Jalen Hurts can do on quarterback sneaks. He could come in for all of those and successfully do it. So there is a world where Richardson succeeds in the NFL. And again, I argue that his floor is actually better than the floor of some of these other guys who are better passers than he already is. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think there there are some tapes where he's throwing on the run where he's not accurate, but like the you know the basic throws from the pocket, there the act there's not that as much of the accuracy issue there. So uh, yeah, Anthony Richardson, yeah, he he makes sense. Anthony Richardson was going to the Titans at number eleven before the draft just wanted to kerplunk on us, but we are back on the board here. Show of it, number twelve, Houston with their second pick in the first round. Second overall, they went with quarterback of the future, C.J. Stroud. What I did on my mock draft with the twelfth pick is I paired C.J. Stroud with his college teammate Jackson Smith and Jigba. They need the receiver. Uh, he just gets open, man. He's so fluid in the slot. I just think when you're a young receiver or a young quarterback, you're going to want a reliable tight end or somebody in the slot who can get open so that, you know, when the rush is coming or when you just need one guy to look for, he's going to be there. And I think JSN gives that to him. They have the college um, chemistry. We already saw the Burrow chase stuff. So I think people are buying into that hype a little bit. So I really like this pick here. That's why I thought JSN was a perfect fit for them. They need a receiver. They traded away Brandon Cooks. So they truly are building for the future. So this made a ton of sense for me. Uh, I agree. That's exactly who I had. And hey, you know, give the Texans fans something to be excited about. And this is how you do it. A quarterback and a receiver. Dude, there's going to be people in those seats with JSN and CJ Stroud. You know that. I mean, I don't know how many games are going to win, but people will be there watching those football games. Number 13, the Green Bay Packers moved up two spots. Why'd they move up two spots? Chauvet, because Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets a couple days ago. So they swapped those first round picks. Packers move from 15 to 13. Jets move from 13 to 15, but they get their quarterback of the future. So the Packers are officially in life after Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is the quarterback. Are they going to finally give Jordan Love and the Packers fans a receiver in the first round? Or what did you pick here for the Green Bay Packers? 
How funny would that be? That's like all Aaron Rodgers ever wanted. Just give me a receiver. But I think that they don't. I think that they go with the same kind of mentality that the Chicago Bears did with protecting Jordan Love, protecting Justin Fields with a tackle. Uh, we have Peter Skaronsky still on the board. I didn't have him on, on my board uh, so that I went with a, a different different tackle. Darnell Wright is who I went with. But given that Peter Skaronsky is still available, I think that, we, um, he, that he would be a a great asset to that offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah. I like Skaronsky. He he profiles as a tackle, but I think he's got shorter arms, so I think they're going to push him inside and have him play guard. But he's flexible. He can play anywhere, and that's really, really big for a young quarterback that's going to need a ton of protection. Now, it's not the flashiest pick, but like you said, I thought Skr- I have Skaronsky going 10 to the Eagles in my mock, so I didn't think he'd be here at 13 either. I like the pick. I think he's versatile. The pick that intrigued me the most here was on my mock draft, I gave them Dalton Kincaid, tight end out of Utah at the 13th spot, man. This guy is, I mean, he's he's probably the most gifted tight end in this class just from a offensive standpoint. I think there's other tight ends that are more complete that can do everything. But Kincaid is basically like a receiver. He's like a Gusecki type, uh, but he's better. Uh, I think he could potentially go top 10, even if a team really loves tight end. I mean, the year Hawkinson went top 10, I don't think he was expected to go top 10. And I think this guy could be a better prospect than Hawkinson was coming out of college. So I really like Kincaid. I think that would be really cool for Jordan Love, a young quarterback who has receivers that are still uncertain, uncertain, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is a veteran, so he doesn't need receivers to make him better, but Love is going to need guys that he can rely on. And Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, like all those guys don't scream as, hey, man, trust me, rely on me right now. They're all young. So I think they need somebody that they can rely on. Kincaid would be that at the tight end position. But I'm with you. If the board shakes out this way and Skronsky's there, he's just so versatile. And I think he's the best offensive lineman in the draft that I think they're going to want to take him just because he can play anywhere. And if you lose somebody at any position, you just plug him in there as well. So the versatility of Skronsky, I think, makes him the pick here at 13. Yeah, the strength and the agility, you know, he's just, he, he can, he, I think he only had like two uh, pressures and it, it, his stats as far as his senior year are, are mind blown. So uh, yeah, for that reason, I think he's probably the best tackle at, at this point of the draft. Yeah. And, and I was trying to talk you out of it because I hate drafting for the Patriots and I wanted to keep the Patriots Skaronsky <laughs> because that was, it's just such an easy pick. Like, okay, just take this guy. You'll figure out what to do with them. But I struggle with the Patriots at 14, man. I, I don't know. Bill Belichick's just so weird. It says they need quarterback when they have Mac Jones. So that doesn't really make sense. Edge, you could always use offensive line. You could always use. That's why I like Skaronsky. In my personal uh, mock draft, I actually ended up giving them Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. The reason I did that is I like Brian Branch as a safety and a nickel corner. So I think he also has the versatility in a, you know, in a defense run by the Patriots. A lot of times they want those uh secondary players to be able to move and play different spots out of spots, et cetera. And I think branch gives them that flexibility. So I like Brian branch here, but I also didn't mind potentially giving them an offensive lineman. You know, I even started to think about like, they wouldn't do it because it's Belichick, but they love to run the football and Bijan sitting there at 14. Like, man, that would take some pressure off of Mac Jones, right? Just turn around and hand the ball off to Bijan. Like there are opportunities here. I mean, wouldn't Mac Jones love a tight end as big as, and it's big and as good as Dalton Kincaid, he would, right? So there are opportunities here to go. Nolan Smith's a great edge. They could go corner with Deontay Banks because, you know, they, they don't, they don't really have anybody at cornerback. There's nobody you fall in love with. They lost JC Jackson last off season. So, there's a lot of ways to go here, 
I personally went with Brian Branch. The way this board currently shakes out, I don't hate Nolan Smith there. I think he's 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 good. He's prototypical. I think he's got a lot of untapped potential. He fits potentially what like a Belichick type defense would want to do. So I don't hate Nolan Smith there. Do you lean anybody with what's available? Yeah, no, I think uh, you and me, we have the same thought process of thinking like defensive backs is probably where they're going to go with. But mm-hmm. I had Christian Gonzalez and he's, he's, he's long gone now. Uh, and uh, you had branch uh, safety. So I think that uh, the other option would be Darnell Wright. Um, yeah. And uh, he, he would be the tackle to go out and get, uh, you know, Cole Strange, Darnell Wright, that, and then trying to be that running team and protect uh, Mac Jones. Uh, you know, they, they still have Stevenson, so I don't think they go B. John Robinson. And I, I just don't see Bill Belichick making flashy drafts like uh, a tight end running back. So I think it's going to be one of these, you know, edge. So for that reason, I think, uh, yeah, Nolan, uh, I think he said Nolan Smith. I think mm-hmm. that, that's the guy, uh, the best guy that's available at this point now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like Nolan Smith at edge. I You're kind of talking me into Darnell Wright just because, you know, you you were watching his tape, right? And you were like, my God, like if he's not the top tackle on the board, then some of these other guys must be insane because there were reps of Darnell Wright where he was just straight dominating players and not just any players. He was dominating guys like Will Anderson, who are guys that are going in this draft. So you're right. I would, there were like the highs of Darnell Wright. I was like, my God, like this guy should probably be the best tackle on the board. But then there are some lows of him where you're like, okay, there's some things that he could potentially clean up and work on, but that's every prospect in college. Right. So I personally, you talked to me out of Nolan Smith and actually into Darnell Wright here with, for for the Patriots. I, I think that's where they go. It seems like a Patriots thing to do. So I think it does. I like it. Let's do it. Let's go to the Jets here at 15. They got Rodgers. They have the receivers. They have Brees Hall. You know, they they don't have a lot of weaknesses, to be honest with you. They were kind of the team that was a quarterback away. So if I'm looking at the Jets roster here, I actually gave the Jets Darnell Wright in my mock draft because I was like, they need a tackle. He's a freak. Rodgers needs protection. If Darnell Wright's gone, though, I don't hate Broderick Jones. He's the other tackle I had on my board that I liked. Um, I have him going, I think, 19 to the Buccaneers on my board. So he's kind of in this similar wave. But other than that, dude, I mean, the Jets don't really need a ton. So I think if they wanted to get crazy, they could, you know, get Nolan Smith and have another edge rusher because you can never have enough edge rushers. This is the type of position where it's like, are you going to get another guy at a premium like edge or are you going to, you know, address a position of need, which is tackle? So I would personally give them Broderick Jones. I don't know where you lean. I think Broderick Jones is a good good pickup. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers needs to be protected. Uh, they went out and get, got him. He doesn't have a lot of years left, I wouldn't think, like maybe a year, two, three at, at most. And so I think that uh, they definitely need to, you know, make the offensive lineman stronger. They could certainly, I think, go with a defensive line as well. Uh, I had, who did I have? Uh, oh, College of Kansi. Uh, College of Kansi, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's who I had to, uh, you know, make their defensive line better. But I, you know, with the Aaron Rodgers pick, they already have Garrett Wilson. They've got some receivers. They got Alan Lazard as well. So I think that, um, yeah, Broderick uh, Jones offensive line, that's probably a safe pick here. Yeah, I mean, dude, they got Brees Hall. They have everything. Like their offense is scary good. I, the when I was thinking about it earlier, I'm getting like Aaron Rodgers is giving me Russell Wilson from last year before the season vibes, where it's like, dude, Russell Wilson's gonna be sneaky in fantasy. Like he's gonna drop. He's got the weapon. And then that, and then because I have the PTSD from Russell Wilson naturally, I'm like, wow, I'm gonna get sucked into this Aaron Rodgers crap all over again, aren't I? And I'm gonna end up drafting him, and he's gonna suck. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen. But everything around Rodgers right now, the infrastructure is phenomenal. 
well. So uh, he's getting put in a great situation. Broderick Jones is definitely going to help that. Number 16, the Washington Commanders. What did I give the Commanders here? Okay, so the Commanders here I gave. They need a quarterback. Not really one on the board here to reach for. Linebackers, not a position, you know, that you typically draft 16th overall. They need interior offensive line. If Skaronsky somehow fell to 16, I mean, they would run the card up because he can play guard for them while they, uh, you know, figure out who's going to play exterior or on the outside for them. But because they need guard and center, the best interior offensive lineman is Florida's Osiris Torrance. And every year you have, you know, even though guard's not premium, you're going to have a team or two that takes a linebacker or a team that takes a guard because that's just what they need. And right now, the way this board fell for them, I personally think they could go guard here. I mean, you could edge. They don't need because they have, they have, they have chase young who obviously can't get stay healthy, but they have good defensive uh, linemen. They have good defensive backs. Uh, again, you don't want to chase linebacker. I don't hate their offense, like their skill position. So the only thing right here that makes sense to me, to be honest with you is reaching and just taking him because even though his ADP is, right at the end of the first uh, round, he's the best guard on the board. And I think like somebody's going to take him because somebody's going to need a guard. And I think the commanders need the guard. So I gave them Osiris Torrance. I don't know what you had. Um, so I thought that the commanders are lacking in the cornerback defensive backs, uh, you know, uh, players. I, I thought they, they had uh, some guy that they drafted in the Steelers picked him up. I forget his name and they cut him as well, but they're definitely lacking in that. So, and there's a lot of depth in far as in terms of the cornerback. So for that reason, I did give them Joey Porter, uh, Porter Jr., uh, I think that, but this is also another scenario where there's a trade down possibility. Mm -hmm. um, so I gave them Joey Porter Jr., but I certainly understand the offensive linemen. I mean, you, they're, they're, they're an asset to, to NFL teams and you got to have that sound, sound foundation if you want to be anywhere. So um, I certainly understand both picks. Yeah. And the other reason I went interior offensive line specifically is the way they love to use uh, Brian Robinson. Like they, they were so hell bent on running the ball in the middle, right over the middle. Uh, and so I think to do that, if that's really what they believe and they're not in a position unless, you know, they're one of the surprise teams that trade up or they trade for a wildcard quarterback that we weren't expecting. If the quarterback's not there for them, they're going to have to do things to just sure up everything around Sam Howell, who's going to be their quarterback. And I think Sam Howell's going to need protection. He's got weapons, but protect him. He's a young quarterback. He's probably like going to be one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL, just projected going into the season. So he's going to need help. That's why I gave him the offensive line, but I'm with you. Cornerbacks are deep. I love, love, love Deontay Banks. And I like Joey Porter Jr. A lot as well. So um, the reason I didn't give them corner per se is because the top two guys are gone. And we've already talked about a deep cornerback class. I thought maybe they could find him in a second or third round with the guy that could still be plug and play. So that's why personally I went with, uh, what did I go with? Os uh, Osiris Torrance. So uh, let's do it. I'll give it to him. I'll give him the interior offensive line. One team always does it every year. They're going to be the team that does it. And that shove it puts your Steelers on the board, man. What do you got? Yeah. So Steelers, man, they've been making some, making a lot of moves uh, this year and they, in the off season, they got Patrick Peterson as well. Uh, a couple of offensive linemen from the Eagles uh, to help bolster the offensive line. So I think that they're probably going to try to get the best available, but what they definitely need is another guy uh, complimenting Peterson. So I went with the cornerback route here and the best cornerback that I thought was available uh, that was going to be available is Deontay Banks, uh, you know, great coverage skills. He only had two interceptions, 28 games, but he, you know, he's able to break up the passes and keeps up with the receivers really well in man mm -hmm. coverage. 
Steelers like to play. So Deontay Banks is probably the best cornerback at, at, at this point that is available. So I went with him. Joey Porter Jr. just makes too much sense. Because of <laughs> he the- is. He's like the obvious mock just because of the Joey right. Porter uh, connection. But you're right. Dude, if if not like if not for Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon, people could talk me into Deontay Banks being like as good as they are. I just think again, it's a deep class and you're seeing the separation of cornerbacks. But I wanted Deontay Banks for the Vikings at 23 because, like you said, the biggest thing that I saw on his tape is he's so glued to the hip of these receivers. Like these receivers are not getting much separation on him at all. So it's like if he's not getting interceptions, that's fine. But he's so close to the receiver that he's always in a good position to break up the play or make a play on the football. And I think, dude, college cornerbacks, like either you're there or you're just not anywhere near where you're supposed to be. Right. And this guy just always seems to be exactly where he needs to be. Like he's glued to the hip of these guys. And so I know the talent level for receivers in the NFL is going to get better, but man, I think banks is only going to get better too. So as much as Porter makes sense, I think Banks is a better football player. So I will give you Banks. I will give you Banks. So that puts the Lions back on the board at 18 here. Who did the Lions take at six? They took Devin Witherspoon, uh, the cornerback from Illinois. So we look at the board here. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So for me, the board played out for the Lions exactly how it played out in uh, my mock draft. I gave the Lions Kalijah Kansi, defensive uh, line from Pittsburgh. I think He is a position of need for them. They have Hutchinson on the outside, but they need somebody to help bolster the run defense. And I think Kalijah Kansi, although he is a little bit raw to me, he's probably got the potential to be the best defensive interior in the uh, draft. So I think, you know, it's a risk, but again, you're, you're a team that has two first round picks. You already basically got a blue chip guy like Devin Witherspoon and you don't have a ton of other positional needs. So I think Kalijah can even if he doesn't become like a three down three technique or, or a defensive line, he can still be a rotational piece, but the plays he's on the field, he's going to be a fucking beast. So I love Kalijah can man Campbell. Just, it just seems like it fits so well uh, for what he's trying to do on the defense. So I think Kalijah can at 18 is exactly what Detroit would do. Yeah, he was already gone from my boards uh, with the Jets picking up Kalajikansi, but I think that, yeah, absolutely, he fits with the scheme with the Detroit Lions. I also was toying with the idea that maybe they go receiver here, like Jordan Addison, uh, given the whole uh, suspension thing, you know, Jordan, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jameson Williams, Williams, yeah. Williams is going to be uh, out for six games, and then having... You know, Amon Ray St. Brown, Jameson Williamson when he comes back, and then Jordan Addison as the number two, uh, you know, one of the guys to play slot, something like that. I was I was kind of intrigued with that idea, but given that Kalajic Kansi uh, is available, I think that that makes sense. The Lions' defensive line, you know, not not so great. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's there. Now they just need to get that interior line to be better, and I think that this makes sense as well. Yeah, yeah. I was with you too. I wanted to fit a wide receiver in there, but I, because I think having th- going three deep and having three good wide receivers just going to help Jared Goff that much more, right? So I wanted to do it too. The reason why I think they don't do it is because they already traded up last year for the receiver. And, you know, they're already dealing with, I guess, the the minimal headache of the off field stuff with Williams right now. So um, I think because they already have a receiver kind of in the fence or in the mold to be there. I don't think they're going to do it, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, again, you're looking at a team, surprisingly, when did we think we'd be sitting here and be like, you're looking at a team in Detroit that has very few weaknesses. And that's what I'm doing right here. I'm sitting here and telling you that Detroit has very few holes to plug in. So they're in such an optimal situation where the draft is going to elevate this team and, or has the chance to elevate this team from like, you know, they're the 
odds on favorite to win the division, but it's probably Vegas probably has their over under wins at like eight and a half or nine and a half, right? It's going to be one of those division uh, divisional races this year. But if the draft shakes up well for them, they're in a weak division. They're already in a weak NFC. This team has a chance to win like 12 football games. It's, it's actually insane. So I think because of that, they're not going to go receiver. I think because of that, they want to make sure that their defense is still on par with what they think their offense can be. And I think Kalaja Kansi is the move. So as long as you're on par with it, we're going to do it. We're going to give him Kalaja Kansi. I've been saying Jameson Williamson. Jameson Williams. What, what's Dude, wrong with me? You know why? Jameson Williamson is literally a p- person we know in real life. He he went to high school with us. He played baseball, shortstop. He, I played with him. That's why that name is so confusing. Jameson wow. Williams is the receiver. Jameson Williams' son is the shortstop that we went to high school with. So <laughs> I kept doing that too. And I'm like, why do I keep doing that? Who the hell is Williamson? But that's that's the connection. All right, so we have Kalaja Kansi at 18. That puts the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Baker Mayfield leading Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the clock here at number 19. A lot of needs here, Shovit. My draft uh, played out to which they got an offensive tackle. They were able to get Broderick Jones. I think he's already gone here. Anton Harrison's still here. I think they do need offensive uh, line help, but... If not that, I mean, I think they can build anywhere. I think Brian Branch fits their scheme a lot. They need safety. He's a roamer. I like that for their defense. Um, Nolan Smith, again, Nolan Smith, every team that just keeps passing him up, it feels like he's a steal. He continues to be a steal. So there's going to come a point where maybe a team that doesn't need edge just says, fuck it. Like, we're going to take Nolan Smith because he's a freak. So at 19 here, I gave them a tackle, played it safe. They have Baker Mayfield. Like, we saw how bad the offensive line got towards the end with Tom Brady. And so they need offensive line help. That's why I think it made sense. But with it not being Tom Brady, do you see maybe a different route that this team could go? Yeah, I was thinking more focused on defense. That's why I went with Brian Branch safety from Alabama. I think that he's uh there's not a lot of safeties that are actually, you know, top first round uh, prospects mm-hmm. in this draft. He's the best available. And I did. They definitely need a safety help. Uh, we saw what the Cowboys did. Uh, during the divisional round, and it, it wasn't pretty, and that defense needs help. Uh, and uh, so I, I went with safety here, but, um, I mean, hey, tackle, I, I certainly understand that as well. So which tackle were you were you thinking of? Uh, I went with Anton Harrison. I think he's the best remaining tackle on the board. I think he's the best remaining tackle on the board that has the ability to play on both sides in terms of tackle. So that's why I like him a little bit more than, like, Dewan Jones. But, but... I like Brian Branch, the player, better, and I think he he fits this well, so I'm going to take him at 19. I think he's already a steal. He does play nickel corner very well, too, so he's basically a guy that can play safety and nickel corner, and he can even come down and blitz for you, so uh, very, very flexible in terms of what he can do. That puts the Seahawks back on the clock. They went with the Jalen Carter uh, fall earlier in with the fifth overall pick, so they've arguably already got the best football player in the draft. Now, at 20... They still need interior offensive line help. And basically they can go best player available. There's not really a ton. I mean, the defense needs to get fixed. So if I'm leaning which way, like I still continue to build the defense personally, but what did you have for uh, Seattle here at 20? Yeah. So I had Broderick Jones, who I don't know if he's available. Did we already pick him up? I think he went. Yep. He went. So I went with the tackle route. So I think that, you know, for the sake of this mock draft, I mean, the best tackle available uh, to fix that. I wouldn't say fix the offensive line, just, you know, provide a little bit structure and help for Geno Smith. I think that's, you know, it's always crucial. So uh, I think the Seahawks, they, they seem like a team that's just a couple of pieces away, you know, especially with the fact that they're going with Geno Smith as a quarterback who had a great year last year. So I think tackle, uh, whatever tackle is available, um, best available would be a good option. Um, 
in in my opinion. I don't know. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. I I, I lean similar. Anton Harrison. Because they need interior offensive line help, I don't love Anton Harrison just because I wish there was a tackle who could slide into guard better uh, that was available here. But I think the drop-off between him and the next couple of guys are too severe that I don't warrant it being picked as at number 20. Um, that's why I don't hate them just being like, you know what, we got Carter, but now we have an opportunity to get his teammate, Nolan Smith, and put him literally right next to him, and that's <laughs> freakishly scary. So I don't hate that. And then I'm also kind of... I don't know. I'm talking. I think Shovit that two tight ends are going to go in the first round. That's what I think. And I think now that we're sitting at 20, I think Dalton Kincaid personally should have already been drafted. Now there is an opportunity for the Seahawks to use a tight end. Is Noah Fant really the guy? Is he? I mean, has he really shown to be the guy? No, not really. Like he's serviceable, but a lot of tight ends in the NFL are serviceable. So you look at Dalton Kincaid. He could be a mismatch nightmare. You already have an offense around DK Metcalf and Lockett. The reason I like Kincaid because of the board structure right now is my board, I actually gave them a receiver. I said, if they could put a third receiver with Lockett and Metcalf, I mean, that offense is scary. At times where Marquise Goodwin was really good last year and he got open, like their offense was clicking. So I think if they got a number three option, whether that's a receiver or a tight end, it could really, really help Gino. So that's why I gave them Jordan Addison. That's why I don't mind giving them Dalton Kincaid here, but, but Offensive line is really, really crucial. So I don't hate the idea of taking Harrison. The reason I'm a little bit against it is because I think they need more interior offensive line help versus outside offensive line help. And I think at that position, you're going to reach a little bit. Yeah, I think that, I mean, this is a first round. They can certainly address the, you know, lineman issues in the second and third round as well. Like there's a whole seven rounds to kind of figure out all the prospects and, and who you want to get. So, um, you know, you, you want to get the best guy that is available. And if Dalton Kincaid can be that guy that, you know, makes your team that much better, uh, especially with the, the way the NFL is, passing the ball more often and things like that, I think Dalton Kincaid is a, is an enticing pick here as well too. So, yeah, we can we can lock that one in. Let's do it. Let's let's have fun with it. Tight end to the Seahawks at twenty. They got Dalton Kincaid, another weapon for Geno. Now they're the three headed monster. So that I mean that makes them scary. We obviously have the uh, Miami Dolphins who forfeited their pick. So the Chargers are on the clock at twenty one. Chargers needs here say linebacker, cornerback, and wide receiver. Definitely, definitely, definitely think that they need cornerback here. Uh, I'm not convinced in JC Jackson. I never was. They signed him. He got hurt. He's supposed to be back, be back, but he, I never really thought he was amazing to begin with. So I still have fear with their cornerback room. So I do, you know, think there's an opportunity to address cornerback here. Now, the problem is the best available cornerback right now is Joey Porter Jr., who I still do like. I do like Emmanuel Forbes and I like Cam Smith. Where I lean more with this team is receiver. They're such an offensively, you know, offensive heavy team that Mike Williams can't stay healthy. Keenan Allen is old and he can't stay healthy. Like you had your third and fourth receiver also get hurt last year. And Justin Herbert's your quarterback of the future. So you're going to need to surround this guy with playmakers. There are so many receivers here that you could possibly give this team. It's just about who you think is going to fit their team structure the best. Now, what I personally think that this team needs is I think this team needs speed. I think this team needs a guy that can basically just, you know, run a go route and take the top off this defense because Herbert's got the cannon. And I think that helps open up everything else for all of the other players across the middle. So if I had to pick a player to go to the Chargers at 21, I personally think this is a bit of a reach, but Jalen Hyatt's the biggest speed burner in the draft. I think because receivers are not 
clear cut. Like there's not blue chip prospects that are can't miss personally. I think you could see, you know, Tillman or Hyatt or Downs even go in the first round, whereas, you know, where they're projected is not there. So personally, I'm going to get a little bit crazy. I think this team wants speed, somebody that can, you know, run that go route and take the top off the defense. I want to give them Jalen Hyatt out of Tennessee. I don't know what your thoughts are. You're ba- where I'm basically jumping every other receiver on the board. So he would be first receiver off the board. Um, but if you want to talk me out of it, feel free. Yeah, I'm going to wear my fantasy football, you know, snake draft hat, which really doesn't doesn't fully apply, but kind of applies if you just think about it. Because I feel like if the if you're trying to get speed, you can get speed in the later rounds, right? And if you need mm-hmm. a receiver, like I don't know if Jalen Hat uh, is going to be available, uh, whatever pick they have in the in the second round, mm-hmm. but I, like right now you could address a cornerback. So I had Emmanuel Forbes as the cornerback that they would draft, but mm-hmm. given that. Jo- Order Jr. is available. I feel like, you know, making sure that that defense is, I mean, just a little bit better than what they were last year, right? Like, they've always had issues with defense, and I feel like that still needs to be addressed, and that speed could be, um, you know, sought out for in the other rounds, in my opinion. Yep. You convinced me. I think that, and, and, and that brings up a really good point. I was listening to some podcasts, and one of the biggest attributes that gets overdrafted is speed. People love to draft speed. Oh, this guy ran a 4-3. We're taking him. But a lot of times what you see is that ex- like, when does a player actually utilize the top end of that 4-3 speed? And how often do they actually utilize that? Not very often, right? Like Unless you're completely broken away and you're just running for your life, you're never going to get to that level of speed to where it doesn't even matter. So you know, the things that like receivers and people who are analyzing receivers should be more focused on is like three cone drill, right? Or like shuttle speed. How quickly can they get off the break? How quickly can they break inside, break outside? Things like that are much more important and prevalent to like every snap versus how often a four, three guy is going to be able to display his four, three speed. So you're right. You stopped me. I think they would have reached. They would have probably regretted it. So I do like Joey Porter Jr. there. Um, he's good. He's a good cornerback. They need cornerback. Let's take it. Um, I'm just trying to throw some, you know, pizzazz into the mock draft because you, when you do too many of these, eventually you're like, oh, okay, this guy's going here again. Oh, I did this in like the 73rd mock I did. So um, it's fine though. Let's go to the Ravens at 22. Shove it. We're getting to the latter half of this mock draft. Um, they need receiver. They need edge. They need cornerback. So they basically need all of the premium positions. My mock draft gave them Nolan Smith because he fell. And ironically enough, he's right there for them. Now, the thing is, they do need receiver and there's good receivers on the board. They do need cornerbacks and there's good cornerbacks on the board. So I don't think there's a wrong direction to go. Obviously, five years from now, some of these players may suck. So that then we'll know. But right now, from projection perspective, you have a lot of toys in the toolbox that you can play with if you're the Ravens here. Do you like anybody more than somebody else or a position per se that they need? Yeah, you know, um, the defensive line for the Ravens is certainly an issue that they need to, you know, figure out, especially in the edge side. But I think that, like, with this whole Lamar Jackson situation, like, you get OBJ, you know, you've got that one receiver that you can kind of use to persuade Lamar Jackson. If you get, like, a Quentin Johnston, uh, you know, from TCU, I feel like that could also maybe work in favor of getting Lamar Jackson at least to play for this year. I don't mm-hmm. know if that will work. Um, but I, you know, you can't go wrong with Nolan Smith or Quentin Johnson in, in this pick. So I'll let you decide this one, whatever, whichever way you want to go. 
Yeah, I mean, again, you you brought up another great point. Like, they need to incentivize Lamar to want to stay, right? I mean, even though, I don't know why, even though, despite everything that's going on, everything leads me to believe that he's going to stay. Like, I, I don't, I haven't thought in my head that there's another team that's seriously going to get Lamar Jackson. So I don't know why I'm still drawn to the idea that he's going to stay. And if he's going to stay, are we really trusting him with, you know what, 29, 30-year-old OBJ coming off injury, Rashad Bateman right. coming off injury, who still hasn't proven enough yet to be the number one. Obviously, Mark Andrews is a stud, right? They got Duvernay. Uh, I, I want to say they I signed it. Yeah, Isaiah yeah. Likely. They they have Isaiah Likely, who's a great backup, could even be like a one-two punch in the tight end position. They, they signed another receiver, but for some reason, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, but I do like receiver there. I, I mean, dude, Lamar, I think we're in a situation with Lamar where they need to start catering you know how they tried to cater the offense to Lamar in the sense that they wanted to make it run heavy, but utilize Lamar's legs more. I think they need to slightly try to shift this into being like, Hey, Lamar can pass the football. Let's try to actually orchestrate an offense that's pass centric, but Lamar has the flexibility to use his legs. Right? So I think if they shifted that way, it would just make the defenses so much more chaotic and not understand how to defend this team. So I love that. I think if you want to put another receiver or a big bodied receiver, 42 inch vertical, even though he's not necessarily using that to, you know, high point the football, which is something that, you know, I dislike about him, but you just have to believe that a guy with these intangibles or tools, the NFL level, somebody's going to have to teach him how to maximize that, right? I mean, that's what the NFL is about. Like, how do you get college prospects to actually be successful NFL players? These coaches and these training regimens and stuff put that, that they put them through uh, allows them to excel and continue to progress. So if we're to believe that Quentin, Quentin Johnson is going to be able to excel and like fit into the architecture and mold of his body and stature, then he's going to be fantastic. It's just, we don't know that it's going to play out that way, but for projection based, give me Quentin Johnston. It's, it's, it's going to put another tool for Lamar Jackson to utilize. And it's going to make that offense much more uh, chaotic and, and fun and crazy. So uh, I am all for it. That puts my Minnesota Vikings on the clock at 23 show of it. And my favorite player that I've been wanting the Vikings to take is still on the board. Now, I can't figure it out. I, I I want you to talk to me because my mock draft that I get them, it played out this way. I gave them Zay Flowers. He's my favorite receiver. He's the guy I want. I want the Vikings to take a receiver in the first round and it's playing out this way. But I'm worried that it's playing out this way so often in the sense that why is Zay Flowers continuing to be there at 23 when, again, receivers are all over the place for projections, but I don't know why Zay Flowers is my favorite receiver. And I don't know what you've seen from the receivers you watched, or, you know, if you have any sort of affinity to Zay Flowers, or if I should just, you know, not be so hype about Zay Flowers, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I see the thing about the the, the receivers receiving classes, like, you know, for me, it's Jordan Addison and JXN and everyone else is like, oh, okay, yeah, they're, they're good. You know, Hyatt's got the speed and all of that. Um, not really something that, like, I'm just too excited about. Like, last year was amazing, right? Like, oh, yeah. Olave. And all yeah. that. I just don't know if this year's class it's not. gives you. No, yeah, it's not. For that reason, I don't know if you want to make that, you know, Zay Flowers is that pick. And you also have Jefferson. Uh, you guys have, uh, well, not Thielen, but uh, I forget your. Osborne. Uh, yeah. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, we, ha we, we have KJ. You're right. We have Hawkinson. I just think we've been wanting somebody to fit into that number two receiver role the last couple of years. And because Thielen's been tapering off because he's been getting older and getting hurt. Right. And now that he's not there, KJ hasn't fit into that mold yet. I think we're still offensively centric. Like we want, we want to build this team around Justin Jefferson. So we want to take pressure 
off of Justin Jefferson. And I think the best way to do that is get another receiver in there that can, you know, help open things up for him. So that's why I personally like Zay Flowers. I think he's quick twitched. What I love about Zay Flowers, the thing that kind of makes me, I don't know, gravitate towards him more so than other receivers is he's a small receiver but he wins at the catch point. Like there is nothing that like makes me more hype about a receiver than seeing like a five foot nine guy out jump other defensive backs, right? Because that's the one flaw to your game or it's supposed to be you're small. So you can't high point footballs. Well, you have freaking uh, Quentin Johnson at 6'3", 42 inch vertical that doesn't even know how to high point a football. And you have Zay Flowers at what, 5'10", that can high point the football better than like any other receiver in this class. And so I'm like, how? Like, if size is your weakness, but you can high point the football, you don't have a weakness. So, and, and, and the reason, the other reason I love receiver for the Vikings is you're asked to come in and not be the guy. Like how much less pressure is it to come into an offensive system and be like, you're already playing against playing next to the best receiver in football. You just have to be like average and you're going to be good. I think every receiver could excel in that situation. So, you know, as much as I don't love some of the receivers, I think if the Vikings ended up with Addison or Quentin Johnston or somebody else, you're playing next to the best receiver in football. So it's automatically creating mismatches for you. And I think, man, one-on-one Zay Flowers running routes, like there's nobody that he, they're not going to stop him. So I love Zay Flowers. He's my favorite receiver in a receiving class where it was hard to find receivers who stood out on tape. Zay Flowers was one of the few that did. And I think that's why. Let's do it. Let's lock it in. Let's go, Zay Flowers to the Vikings at 23. That puts the Jags on the board at 24. The Jags need interior offensive line. They need edge. They need defensive back. Uh, for me, it was Miles Murphy. Um, that's who I gave them. He fell on the board. I think we already drafted Murphy because you liked him in the top 10. But I think that flips it to where Nolan Smith at 24 should be an absolute steal for a team that needs edge. Uh, that that would be my pick. I don't know if you have thoughts there. Yeah, no, Nolan Smith was already drafted as well for, for me. So uh, I had Lucas Van Ness, but yep. uh, given the best available, uh, I think Nolan Smith is the guy that they have to get. If he's there at this point, then you get him. Yep, I like it. Nolan Smith will go 25 to the Giants. This this is the one, um, one of the few in the first round. There was like three or four where I reached because it's just a position of need. The Giants have been pretty vocal about the fact they need a center. And so like you're you're going to have to reach if you want to take the best center. But John Michael Schmitz consistently is the top center on the board. Um, and he's been mocked in a lot of first rounds just because, again, center is not coveted, but there are teams that need center and they're going to draft center in the first round. So to me, if the Giants don't take receiver, like if the receiver board is already like three or four guys are gone, or if they don't covet receiver as much as we think they do, or, you know, their weird ragtag group of receivers, they think can get the job done. I think they're going to go center. But the only other thing I would do is if it's not center, I think they go receiver. I mean, what, what did you take the giants at 25? I gave them Zay flowers. Did you? Um, okay. Zay flowers is gone. He's the center of Minnesota Vikings. So I think center makes the most sense here. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you could, because you said to you, it's Addison, JSN, and then everybody else, right? So the fact that Addison's still there at 25 and they need a receiver could make some sense. Um, but again, it, it seems like that's such a chalk pick that let's go ahead and take the center because he's, you know, he's a 49th ranked player and it's going to shake up the latter half of the first round anyways. So the Giants get a position of need. Uh, John Michael Schmidt, center out of Minnesota. That takes the Cowboys to 26, and obviously the board falls exactly the way the Dallas Cowboys wanted to, exactly the way I expected it to, exactly the way somehow my mock draft fell to. B. John Robinson's there at 26. They lost Zeke. Pollard's coming off the injury. I mean, 
Michael Mayer is the other guy that if Bijan wasn't there, I think he would. they would take him also because no Dalton Schultz. But with both of those guys on the board, I think it is an absolute no-brainer. I mean, Jerry Jones is probably running up to the podium. It's not even anybody else. Jerry Jones is running up to the podium and selecting Bijan Robinson. Right. No, it just makes the most sense. And B. John Robinson was also, he fell on my mock draft and he's, uh, he's going to Dallas. So yeah. Uh, with, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and he's from Texas. Like it just, it, it all, it makes too much sense that it's probably not going to happen, but for our mock, it just worked out perfectly. Buffalo bills at 27 on the clock, defensive interior linebacker and cornerback is what it says that their needs are. Um, I went with the linebacker here. This is my first linebacker off the board. Uh, they need linebacker help. Tremaine Edmonds basically is the one that they lost. Jack Campbell out of Iowa, Drew Sanders out of Arkansas. Both those guys have been interchangeable, but personally for me, I like Jack Campbell a little bit better. So I gave them Jack Campbell. I think it's another team that again, you're, you're a team that can afford to take a linebacker at the end of the first round because one, it's the end of the first round. Two, you're a perennial Super Bowl contender. Three, you don't have a ton of other weaknesses. And two and four, sorry, it's ultimately just going to depend on how the board falls when it's your turn to pick, right? So I think they would probably go with... Um, ultimately a linebacker if the board is the way it is right now. But if there is a guy, let's say, I don't know, let's say one of these guys in the top 20 ends up falling. Let's say Tyree Wilson falls, Nolan Smith falls, somebody falls to the bills. Like let's say Bijan's there at 27. I'm not convinced that they wouldn't take Bijan at 27. Okay. So for me, uh, the same kind of thought process that you had with the Minnesota Vikings, I think that they need another receiver as well. And for me, I, I had uh, Josh Downs from North Carolina on here uh, as far as the, the guy that gets drafted. But given that Jordan Addison is there, yeah. I mean, Stephon Diggs and Jordan Addison, like, you know, they, he, I, I don't know. Um, God, I got, I drafted this guy in fantasy and I forget his name. But they, they, Gabe Davis. Uh, Gabe Davis. Yes. Gabe Davis. I mean, he's, he's got the speed and he's got the vertical threat and all that, but I think Jordan Addison provides that, you know, uh, a, a little bit of interior, like 20, 30 yards, 10 to 20 yards that kind of, um, you know, in the slant routes and things like that, mm -hmm. those, that threat that I think that they definitely need, they need someone else outside of Diggs as well to be, um, to be, someone a threat to that offense so i think jordan addison would be a really good pick for them here yeah if addison falls to 27 in this board which he very well could i think it's a great take for them like i think the reason i don't like i wasn't drawn to addison is because he didn't have superior like physical traits so he wasn't the fastest he wasn't the shiftiest he wasn't the tallest he wasn't jumping the highest right so for players like that it's hard when you watch tape because you're waiting for something to stand out and nothing is standing out but then you just have to be like oh nothing is standing out because he just does everything pretty damn well right so he's just a very very uh, good overall receiver. He can use his body to create separation. He's not the fastest, but he's got enough wiggle. So I do like him at 27. I think if he's falling that far, the bills absolutely would have to take him. Number 28 for the Bengals fell the way I wanted it to. Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. They lost Hayden Hurst. They need a pass catcher. It's Joe Burrow. Mayer, to me, is Jason Witten 2.0. Like, he just basically uses his leverage to get open. He knows how to find soft spots in the zone. He's not the fastest, but it does not matter when he has hands of glue and he knows exactly how to attack the opening uh, in the field with the zone. So I think Michael Mayer makes too much sense for the Bengals at 28. You could, I mean, you could always go cornerback. You could always go edge. You could always go offensive line. Like I didn't hate tackle because I think Lyle Collins got hurt for them. So they, you know, Joe Burrow needs protection. So it doesn't hurt to take tackle. Anton Harrison is still there. So I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I just think they need tight end. Michael Mayer is a great player. I projected to have two tight ends go in the first round. And I think this is exactly where Mayer would go. 
yeah, I had Dalton Kincaid going here, but given that he's already gone, uh, Michael Mayer, I, I don't even know if Michael Mayer or Dalton Kincaid one or two, if you can really clear cut, like say that what one, this guy is better than the other guys. So uh, Michael Mayer is the best tight end available and it just makes sense for the Bengals to pick him up. I mean, just look at what, uh, you know, uh, I can't, I can't think of names right now. You know, the Kansas city Chiefs uh, tight end. Why Kelsey. Kelsey. I can't even say, I, I don't even remember Kelsey's name. Uh, Kelsey, look what Kelsey did to the Bengals, right? They, they've got to have PTSD for that. And they're like, we want to do that too. Yeah. We need that. They need that. They need a version of that. And Mayor Kincaid, like this is the draft where you can find a tight end that could possibly be that for you. And the fact that they lost Hurst, like it's a position of need. I just think they're going to draft. Saints at 29, another interesting spot where it was kind of tough for me. Like I, 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 I found myself oftentimes just going like best player available. Uh, you know, they need interior offensive line. They need cornerback help. They need uh, anybody on the defensive line. So what I found myself doing here is giving them best player available and basically Lucas Van Ness, like he's a good edge rusher. He continues to fall on some of these boards just because he's a little bit more raw, didn't have a lot didn't have as much tape as some of these other guys, but I think he's still going to be incredibly productive similar to uh God, the way that other that similar to the way that edge fell, who did the, the chiefs drafted an edge last year? He fell. Yes. George Karloftis. Thank you. Yes. Similar to the way George Karloftis fell. Lucas Van Ness, similar player. I think at 29, they're going to absolutely take him. I like Will McDonald as well. To me, those guys are interchangeable. It's just going to be about like, what does Dennis Allen prefer? So I think they could go either or there Forbes. I do also like, I just, I think I've hit my threshold with cornerbacks who I'd personally take in the first round. Cam Smith is the other guy that kind of sits maybe in the, on the border, but I think at 29, I would personally go Van Ness. I don't know what you had the Saints taken. I had them taking uh, Osiris Torrance, who's already, who's already yep. gone. I think he would, that's the Perfect, for in them, terror, yeah. He would, but he would that he would not be available, and he's not available in our mock draft. So for that reason, yeah, Lucas Van Ness, I think he's a, he's a great addition to that team. Let's do it. That puts the Eagles back on the clock at 30, and the Eagles have already taken Tyree Wilson at 10, so they've addressed an edge rusher. They could still go interior offensive line. Anton Harrison is still available as a tackle for them. Um, they could go edge. They could go cornerback. I mean, the board's pretty wide open for Philly here. They could even trade down. We talked about the receivers. They have an opportunity to get like a Josh Downs to play third fiddle. They could have, uh, you know, they could go down and get some of those speedsters like Jalen Hyatt and stuff. So for the Eagles right now at 30, when they've already coveted a first round pick, like it's again, it's a house money situation. So like, where do you go? I gave them, I gave them another receiver. And in my board, somehow Quentin Johnston fell to 30. So I thought at that spot, like, dude, you're playing next to AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. Like with your size, you have to be able to do something right. Like you're, you're insanely gifted. So, um, I think that made a lot of sense. He's not on the board here. Uh, there are some receivers on the board, some corners, some tackles, but where did you see Philly going with the second pick? Yeah. So I had, um, Brian Breesty, uh, defensive line. Uh, I do. Like I him. do think, I do think that tackle is also a good position for them. They do. They did lose their, uh, one of the offensive linemen as well. So uh, the, I, I forget who's the best one available. Harrison, right now. Yeah. yeah. I think he would be a good pick for them as well. Um, I, I just, yeah, I mean, it, it, for me, the receiving route is picking a receiver in the first round. It's a little bit tough just because you already have Devontae Smith, you have A.J. Brown, and going with that other guy, like I, I don't even know if they would utilize him like that. Uh, so for, for me, receiver is a little bit more, more tough uh, than than like a tackle uh, offensive lineman. Yeah, let's do it. Let's give him Anton Harrison. I like that. Never have enough too much. You can never have enough offensive line help. 
All right, that's the last. That brings us to the last pick on the board. The Kansas City Chiefs are picking at 31 per PFF. They need wide receivers and defensive linemen. But um, my mock draft did end up actually having Brian Brisey at 31, and that's why I gave them. I think he is a perfect fit. Um, I think they have Carl Loftus on the outside. He can slide in and play the inside for them. Um, and I think ultimately he's a guy that has a lot of untapped potential with Clemson. He was just playing around a lot of other really good players. So I like Brisey there. Uh, I do. It's interesting to see as the last pick of the first round though, like you, you have options. I mean, you, you could technically reach if you wanted to, because it's a situation where it's not like the chiefs are going to come back around and trade up. So, you know, they have probably like 15, 20 guys here where you have a guy that fell to you that ultimately you probably didn't think was going to be there. And then you have guys that, you know, you're going to reach for because this, your, your second pick, they're not going to be there again. So this is really pretty up in the air for the chief show that I gave them Brian Brisey. Who did you give the chiefs with the final pick? Um, so I gave them Felix Anudike Uzoma. So yeah, uh, Kansas state edge. Yes. Yep. I gave him an edge rusher. Yeah. Like, like you said, you know, uh, compliment Karlovkis, but I can see them also going receiver here too. You know, every year they've been kind of, they give Patrick Mahomes what he wants, like Sky Moore last year. Uh, you know, Juju's on that team. Uh, so I, I just feel like a receiver is definitely possible. Like try to get uh, Gibbs uh, or, or or any of those guys that are available right now. So, um, but um, I, I like Brian Breezy too. I picked, I had him for the Philadelphia Eagles. That makes sense. I, I don't think you can go wrong with uh, either one of those two guys. Breezy yeah. or yeah, so it's an interesting spot. I mean, again, you can go, you can go another edge, like you said. You could literally give them Gibbs. I mean, yes, I know they have Pacheco in the seventh round, and they had uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but man, dude, Jamar Gibbs is like he's basically Alvin Kamara. So, like, just imagine Alvin Kamara with a Kansas City Chiefs offense. I mean, that's scary. That seems really, really scary. Like, he's basically an upgraded Jarek McKinnon, right? So, um. I mean, that's an option there. I think it's pretty wide open what the Kansas City Chiefs could do. Um, man, I'm trying to think if there's a guy that just really, I mean, <laughs> so stupid, but how crazy would it be if they just, because they they haven't had in the, like as much um, luck with a lot of these receivers working out, right? So what if they're like, you know what? This year, we're going to run a lot of two tight end sets. We're going to have Travis Kelsey on one end, and we are going to take six foot seven absolute mammoth of a freak darnell washington from georgia to play our other tight end position i mean could you imagine just imagine those tight ends how are you stopping that it worked for the patriots right like that gronk and Aaron hernandez remember when that was like uh, you know yes they were stellar stellar players uh so yeah i mean that, that would be scary that would be kelsey's scary. what kelsey's 32 now so like it's not like he's getting any younger like at some point you're looking at a possible heir apparent but man if you find a tight end that's as big and freakishly gifted as like darnell washington and you're just pairing him as a compliment to a kelsey like the, the sky's the limit so i think i'm interested to see where the chiefs go for the sake of this draft and we're ending it, let's just get crazy with it. I like Darnell Washington at 31. If you have any qualms with it, I won't do it. But if you don't, we're going to give them that freak and see what that offense can do with him. Yep. Lock it in. Darnell Washington is, as the final pick of the a, first round. That'd be a record of like three tight ends going in the first round. Have that, has that ever happened? Like I, I'm, I'm curious. Dude, man. I mean, we'll, we'll have to go back and check. I mean, I'm sure two tight ends for sure has. I'm, I bet three has. Maybe not like often, but I'm sure it has. Um, but let's go back and check. But this is the way the first round shakes up for us, Shobit, in our 
NFL mock draft 1.0 for the only playbook. You and I came to a consensus on these picks. Uh, the way it shakes out is, you know, probably not even going to be 40% accurate, 30% accurate. So it's all just a fun exercise, just pure speculation. Um, I am so excited for Thursday. I've been itching. It cannot get here soon enough. Um, I want to leave kind of with final thoughts. Obviously, the podcast fans know you're a Steelers fan. In an ideal, the most ideal scenario you could possibly think of, right? Like the best case scenario for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who do they come up, come away with in the first round? The best scenario, oh, they can man. trade up. The best, the best scenario for the Steelers is to trade up and get Devon Witherspoon. I mean, that guy, he fits the mold of the Steelers, being able to hit hard and like just that tenacity. He's got that, that edge, bro. Yes, I just love, he's so feisty. And like that, the play personality is something that you're like, man, I just want to root for you because you're just so like, uh, you know? Yeah. So if the Falcons are, if he's still on the board and the Falcons are uh, looking to trade down, I mean, that would be the best case scenario for the Steelers. What about for the Vikings? What do you got? That, I mean, for the Vikings, it's pretty obvious. The Vikings, to me personally, the best case scenario, because I don't think trading up to number one is realistic, like it's just not. Um, Bryce Young is the best case scenario, but that's not. That, I don't think that's a realistic scenario. To me, the best case realistic scenario is somehow CJ Stroud becomes a Minnesota Viking because this cognitive test, right? Like there's rumors, there's smoke screens, what's real and what's not. I don't know. But if so, there are teams that are taking this cognitive test a lot more seriously than what we anticipated them to, then yes, there is a realistic chance that he falls. And I think if he, if he is not drafted as a top 10 pick, then every team that needs a quarterback outside of the top 10 should be trying to trade up to like 10, 11, 12, similar to where like fields went last year. That spot right there, somebody needs to take a risk and draft CJ Stroud because I don't think he should fall out of the top 10. I don't even think he should be like third. I think he should go the way it's going right now. I think he should be the Texans quarterback. But if that's not the way it plays out in my ideal scenario, the Vikings somehow trade up and land CJ Stroud. Wow. That would be, that would be insane. <laughs> but I think that in that scenario, if they traded up to land CJ Stroud, CJ Stroud is like the one of two quarterbacks probably that isn't expected to sit for a year. So I think in that scenario, you're probably looking at a world where, you know, they find a trade suitor for Kirk, which probably is going to be the 49ers. So I think if Stroud is a realistic scenario for the Vikings, it's because they found a trade suitor for Kirk and Stroud is going to start year one. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then when, when a guy falls and you're able to pick him up, I feel like there's a, a little bit more like, you know, like the Aaron Rodgers effect, right? He felt mm -hmm. like 24, something yep. like that. Like he, he's got more to play for, more to prove. Like this S two test, like that don't mean shit. Like it doesn't you know mean shit. I mean? And it just came. It's it's not. It's such a new test. There's not right. enough data. To, like what it's done is is it doesn't it doesn't determine who's going to be successful. But what it's proven so far is the people that have scored very poorly are not successful. So like it does, it has proven that everybody that scored poorly has yet to be a successful NFL quarterback. So the jury is out on that. So it's like an uphill battle for, for Stroud from that regard. But dude, we're watching football, right? So like at some point I have to put the S2 cognitive test aside and just trust my own ability to like watch football and watch tape. And Stroud is phenomenal. So like if I'm wrong, if I, in a year from now, Stroud's like the biggest bust we've ever seen. I will gladly eat my words and be like, man, I could not believe how more wrong I was on him. But there's very few prospects that I'm just like, I don't understand why people aren't obsessed with this guy. Like I am. And that's how I feel about CJ Stroud. I, and honestly, it could be like some, you know, conspiracy, some teams on 
that are trying to get out, like just putting some shit out there uh, just to make his stock go down a little bit more. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of shady stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's fucking NFL, man. Shady galore. So, um, I mean, that's it. That's the draft. That's the only playbook mock draft 1.0. We're only doing one of these because it's just, it's just way too much, man. It gets way too stressful. It's too much, too many players, too many variables, outcomes, scenarios. Obviously there's a 0% chance that this is how it's going to shake out because there is going to be trades that transpire in the first round, but we're excited. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If you're watching, you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, tell your friends, spread the word. Uh, follow us on all of our social media platform, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, TikTok's been crazy recently. We've just been a lot more active with the off season. So, uh, at the only playbook. And if you're listening, you're listening to us on any place you can get podcasts at. So please leave a review on Apple. That helps us. If you leave a review on Spotify, that helps us as well. But we love all the interaction. The offseason has been fantastic. The draft is two days away. We are so, so ecstatic. We'll be back to record an episode next week for uh, recapping the draft. So we will be talking all about the draft next week. I'm Sweetcar. That's it. We're the only playbook. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>